he started really developing a new way in which he invests into land deals that don't expose him to the you know significant downside risk of an unentitled project until his, his approvals are in place. And so he started, you know, doing these deals to where he would buy optioning and then getting the approvals in place. And then as soon as he got the approvals in place, he would sell it off to the home builders that then created a way to have almost like infinitely scalable uh, operations. And so then when he would make millions of dollars on one transaction, that it wasn't paying off debt, it was just transferring that to the owner and then also to the to the home builder. And he was making a, a spread off of the, that value. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. And when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing into commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview dive deeper and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, it's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations, and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Welcome to Passive Wealth Principles, What I Learned episode with Cody Bogan. Cody Bogan is a friend I actually met several years ago the reason I connected with him is he does something similar to what I used to do or really work with an organization that uh, did the same thing. So Cody does land entitlement, dirt. Uh, and actually, I think we, he's uh, coming out with a book called Dirt Dog Millionaire, or maybe if that's that's maybe his working title. But what it is, is like taking dirt and assembling it and, and mapping it out to create a subdivision. And so for people that don't know this is land development is takes this idea, several parcels or a ranch or farmland or something like that. And then they envision something else into the future and they turn that into community, a subdivision or an apartment complex, and you have to entitle the land and change the use of that. And so that's what Cody has done or become known for. But really, you know, how he got started with that is is a very interesting story is that he grew up in a small town in Oregon. And, you know, some people have uh, mentors and, and their parents that teach them what to do. He said, hey, his dad was someone that taught him what not to do. And he wanted to do a lot of the things that the opposite of his dad. And so he did his and crafted his own life uh, to be a little bit of a contrarian to what was his growing up. Well, in high school, he got his 
high school girlfriend pregnant. His high school girlfriend got pregnant. So then he needed to, you know, get health benefits. And so he joined the flooring union. The flooring union was uh, where he could get health benefits the fastest. And so in three months, he could get a health plan to cover and help, you know, for his uh, his new baby, you know, at birth and take care of his family. And through the necessity of caring for others, he was required and needed to get into something of trading his time for money. And so he got into develop, you know, he was ambitious as a tile setter in the flooring union. He was able to start growing his book of business and then became uh, owned a store. And then from owning a store, he was able to connect up and work with all these different home builders and uh, contractors. And at some point, he just decided as he was making some money that he was going to go buy some land. And then from buying land, he started doing more of it. And he got a mentor that and, and a real estate agent that was guiding him in that process. And so they, what they did was, you know, they would buy and land uh, and title and then, you know, sell it to the home builders. Well, that was tremendously successful. And in the 2000s and early 2000s, when he started doing that, 2002, 2003, 2004, and I'm kind of leading and some, some people know this, is that in 07, 08, there was a massive collapse. And well, Cody was not immune to that. Uh, so he was doing these land entitlement projects and he was taking them down. He was buying them with cash, leveraging them to fix them up or to put these architectural and engineering and, and uh, design developments of these projects, putting them together. And then what happened is when the market turned, he was massively exposed to no longer having buyers. Nobody was buying dirt. Home builders were not building homes, so home builders were not buying lots. And since nobody was buying uh, those lots or those homes, you know, it, it required you know, and a lot of these companies went bankrupt and he even talks about that. Some of his friends that as they got bankrupt, some of them committed suicide. Some of them couldn't handle the, the high peaks and then the, the very extreme valley lows. And, you know, they were over levered and they were going to have to file bankruptcy. And, you know, that is unfortunately one of the stories that I've, I've heard several times through people in the real estate industry that then lose these, these massive amounts of wealth is they would um, just rather end it all than to deal with the repercussions uh, of the pain of going through that uh, wind down. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Look, two of the most common questions I get asked are where can I find good deals to invest into? And is it possible to invest alongside of our deals as a passive investor? So my team and I wanted to put together an insider list where you can get first access to investment opportunities, due diligence resources, and best practices for those interested in investing passively into deals like the ones we talk about on the show. Those deals are mostly in the commercial real estate space, but I oftentimes get exclusive access to deals of people like the guests on my show. If those deals pass our criteria, we pass them on to those on the list. To gain access to this insider list, all you have to do is go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. We also host events, dinners, and give away VIP access to events that I'm speaking at or attending. 
Once again, it's www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. For those that are serious about passive wealth building, we'll see you on the inside. Now, back to the show. Cody, what he did is he started drinking. He started, uh, you know, uh, you know, trying to drown his sorrows. And fortunately for him, he was in two markets. He saw Boise, the market in Boise, correcting before Portland, Oregon. So the cluing in, at least he got a several month head start on starting to liquidating his portfolio in Portland. And that was at least put him in the position that he was able to uh, leverage out or sell out of these projects um, before the you know things got as bad as they ultimately did. And so even though he was just drinking a lot in his 2010, 11, 12, you know, kind of in the, in the, the very, very depths of, of the, you know, great recession that we were experiencing. He started selling off some of his assets, his house or his cars and other things like that. And he did some things that I didn't know was criminal, but it's called, you know, uh, structuring. And it's a way that uh, criminals embezzle money and put it back into the system. And he didn't know this either, but he would make deposits, cash deposits under $10,000 at multiple banks. Well, that triggered the, you know, attention of the FBI and the IRS and other people like that, even though he had, you know, it was after tax money, he was not eluding taxes. The way that in which he set it up and structured it was illegal. And so he was then facing the potential criminal charges. And that's, you know, he dives into some of those stories and is unbelievable that, you know, it's just like things that you don't know uh, that can come after you and, and potentially derail you. And so what that does is that's that was a hardening of him and creating and, and making a warrior out of him. And then ultimately, like, how can he take and restructure and start building upon those past mistakes and the, the market correction? And then he started really developing a new way in which he invests into land deals that don't expose him to the you know significant downside risk of an unentitled project until his, his approvals are in place. And so he started, you know, doing these deals to where he would uh, essentially option them into until um, he was completed with the actual all the entitlement risk. So instead of buying it, taking it down for a low amount of money, he would share in some of the upside with these land owners and say, hey, I can buy it at this higher price point, but I can't do that until I get it all approved. And then what he would do is work with these same home builders now that in you know 2015, 16, 17, 18, you know, the the market's back, the home builders are buying houses or lots to build houses on again. He would get commitments from them and he knew that he if he was going to develop something with a hundred lots that the home builder was going to buy those hundred lots from him. And so he really was de-risking his entire business model by optioning and then getting the approvals in place. And then as soon as he got the approvals in place, he would sell it off to the home builders. That then created a way to have almost like infinitely scalable uh, operations. And so then when he would make millions of dollars on one transaction that it wasn't paying off debt. It was just transferring that to the owner and then also to the to the home builder. And he was making a, a spread off of the, that value. 
he was still committing a couple hundred thousand dollars of entitlement work and other things related to that. And then he also teaches people how to do those deals and how to structure some of them that some of the forward commitment, the buyout would cover the cost of, of developing those plans and the in-between. And so really he's done a significant and a unique way of structuring land deals that I have not seen from almost anyone else in the in the country. And it was incredibly fascinating to see his story on that. And I think it is just one of those things that like his, you know, uh, trials led to him uh, adapting and creating new ways to solve and de-risk his future investments. And now by, you know, putting in a CEO into his organization, he's now also like, how do I leverage out uh, my time? How do I get people that are better at this job than I am in the right seats of the bus? Because he's like, to be honest with you, I was holding the organization back because of my own limited time or focus on some of these these deals where I was scared of bringing on new employees because I didn't want to hire them or train them or, you know, even go through the hiring process. And then now once I was able to put in a CEO, that all sped up in 10X because I was able to get away from that aspect of, of needing, you know, everything to pass, pass through him. And so then, now it's, it's, he's triggering on some next levels of, of his life. And this is one of the things that I see is a common theme of a lot of the people that I interview is when you start getting out of the day-to-day -day grind of your business is now you can start looking at fulfillment is your impact and your purpose or your legacy or what is it that is beyond you that is not just about making money. He's got a saying about believe action and faith and that, you know, you need to get through some of these levels, build this faith, build trust, into uh, people. And then how can you do that as established trust is by being transparent and then showing, you know, some of the flaws in which he has, uh, you know, you know, discovered. And so it's just one of those incredibly fascinating episodes that I went and re-listened to it again. And then, you know, like a land deal is not a diamond until it's done. Like it's the, the process of it, the smashing it of it, you know, the, the figurative, um, or literal way of a way a, a diamond is formed is through pressure. And so that pressure and that um, uh, land development is not complete until those are approvals in place. And so then how can they create those mechanisms? And then he's able to make three to 500% return on his investment in these short time periods and like a 300 to 500%, you know, uh, return on your capital is amazing and tremendous, but obviously has some very niche specialized skills that also have limited scalability onto what he can do. And then he can create these and create, you know, land value or, or value of something that's worth a higher and better use than what he's doing. So I encourage you to go check out these, this episode. I mean, he talks into some more details, like how making $5 million on one deal that he had only $250,000 into. Like that's tremendous returns. And that's obviously an extreme. And we're highlighting the extremes of some of these deals. Not all deals are like that. The one out of probably hundreds is to that level of making $5 million off of a $250,000 uh, investment into the, the entitlement process. So these are very unique, always thinking of creative ways of trying to solve these, these problems 
And, uh, and it came from a necessity of how do I de-risk this investment? How can I speed up, you know, trust? How can I, you know, control some of these things of just not giving up and letting go and surrendering into the process and then sharing some of those, those books and lessons that he has learned and, and flexing on that faith muscle. So go visit, uh, Cody Boogan and not only what he's doing, but listen to the full episode because I am, I'm honestly like still marinating on how much I learn from interviewing him and then even listening to it again. And I'm excited to talk to him again in the future and hang out with him. And I think this is a fantastic episode for you guys to listen in to some of the interesting and intriguing ways in which he has created and solved some of these same problems that we are all facing of, of leveraging and getting out of our own way. This has been another episode for Passive Wealth Principles, where cash flow is king. Stop trading time for money and build your passive wealth machine so that you can live a life of legacy, purpose, and freedom. Thanks all. I'm Jake Harris. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.realestate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.